Hello and welcome to The Life Pod, hosted by Michael Panay and Karim Dow, brought to you by MK Enterprises, a community based on discussing life topics and driving continual personal development and growth. Send through any topics you want covered and be sure to follow and tag us on all social media at MK Enterprises. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode nine. Today we have on Diana Dow, the uh, founder and CEO of True Coaching, who is an academic and productivity coach. Diana, welcome and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. That was a good intro. Yeah, that, was, that <laughs> ran really well. Um, yeah, just basically, we always like to give like a bit of an intro, what you do, how you go about it, what sort of got you into that space that you're in. Yeah. So if you could give us a bit of a rundown. Absolutely. So uh, performance and productivity is the name of the game. And the space I love to play in is with students and learning and growing. So my background's a combination of science, biochemistry, molecular biology, Shit. then workplace <laughs> training and development, and then a bit of education through my master's as well. So I find that I ended up here because of the combined skills of the physiological and kind of neuro- neurological part of learning yep. from science, the adult and sort of performance and tracking side of learning from workplace, mm-hmm. and then the actual how to present the learning and how the brain works through my Master's of Education. So I just fell in love with all three aspects of the learning process and now I'm here. So it's almost like you took all like the main aspects and like sort of literally combine them into your own thing. I was like, cool, like if we add all these things together, we can get some really good outcomes for performance, training, education, studying, et cetera. So 100%. that's sick. And, and you also have the Beating the Bell Curve podcast as well. Yes. So for anyone... <laughs> that isn't already on that on Spotify, please do jump on it. And they're really, yeah. really easy to consume. They were, I think you came to what, seven or eight minutes? Yeah, seven or eight minutes. And again, that comes down to the whole, you know, efficient studying and that sort of thing because 100%. it's too long, then you just brain loses the plot. <laughs> so guys, as you know, we like to always provide content for people that can add some sort of value. Um, and we like strongly believe that, you know, through your experience and what you've done and everything that you could... Probably answer some questions that we, I think, yeah, so many. Kareem and I both have, and yeah. a lot of people out there do have, because productivity is actually under, you know, <laughs> overlooked. Yeah, being yeah. and being really productive is being is is overlooked. Like it's actually, it's quite difficult to get into and quite difficult to maintain and get in the rhythm of things. The first step's always the hardest. As well as studying too, because a lot of um, we like to think of like a lot of uh, or our audience. Uh, maybe studying in university, even high school, or just even, even just on that. General. Like I was, you said studying. You said like about kids and stuff. It's like, oh, I always study. It's like I'm not doing a course, but it's like it could be like I could be watching a YouTube video on like NFTs. That's another or something. thing. It's yeah. Like, so you can study can about I, studying doesn't stop. Yeah. It's like how can I maximize? Even if I'm just watching like a YouTube video, it's yeah. like how can I maximize that? Is it like should I not watch YouTube? Yeah. Should I watch it on mm. TikTok because it's a shorter video? Like. There's so many layers that can just be peeled off into this. It just it never ends. We've Sorry. associated learning and study with school or university. Yeah. But if you can leverage your information processing and productivity skills across the board, mm. everything in life is studying Correct. and learning and can become easier. So, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's why we're really excited to have you on today because we think you can provide, you know, we've got a few questions. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... Firstly, I wish I had you <laughs> oh, coach, coach seriously. in high school or yeah. university as well. Yeah. Um, I'm still got a little bit left to go, which is good. So hopefully I can use some of the, um, you know, some of the information that... And we thought this would be super important because like, I feel like it links in heaps with the whole, oh, I don't have time thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, well, if you're time poor, it's like if you learn how to manage it a little bit better or just be more effective with your learning, yeah. 
then it's a you know double-edged sword. It's like a two birds, one stone type thing. Yeah. yeah. One thing I reckon we should jump straight into is how people currently look at studying and productivity and what, you know, yeah. what they do. I can tell you for a fact that at the moment I'd like to think I'm productive, but I probably do know deep down that I could be more productive <laughs> or I do know there's little things that you can do. Yeah. Um, in terms of studying, I, uh, it's really basic for me. Like I don't have much of an understanding at all. So My first question to you would, would very ge- this is a very general question. Would you define productivity doing like one or two things uh, or like doing, sorry, doing, let's say you have one hour of time, doing a lot of things in that one hour or doing only a couple very, very well. What would you say is more productive out of those two? I think it's probably a combination of both. Mm-hmm. So productivity, from my perspective, if we look at it more broadly, yes, it's doing more in less time, mm-hmm. theoretically. Yep. Um, it's doing more focused work. I like to say active work as opposed to passive Um, But then also it's, are those tasks actually productively contributing to your bigger picture? Because we can get very caught up in doing busy work and sitting there for hours, calling ourselves productive, working. But but my brain just exploded. (laughs) (laughs) Like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're not actually, if those tasks don't actually contribute to your ultimate picture yeah. it doesn't matter how productive that's like you are. in uni when you like you think you're doing your assignment but you just like wrote the title in like a really nice font for 20 minutes and you're like yeah, yeah sick the <laughs> first thing i can smack that back to is um the gym for example yeah. productivity like how you said ideally is the most work done in a short amount of time mm-hmm. but if you're going to the gym you're doing the exercises incorrectly right that's an example of how productivity 100%. can you know, not necessarily be the time. If you're doing cardio every day, but you want to build muscle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that then it you are, you have been productive. You've yeah. gone, you've ran, you've, you know, keeping your track. But not tracking to the bigger your progress, picture. But not actually <sighs> contributing Bro. to the goal. What the hell? So, um, yeah, so productivity has a lot of facets. I wouldn't say that there's just Can we quickly, I'm not sure if we have a camera. Can you show everyone your tat? Because that's fucking <laughs> sick. I don't know if you can say that. Yeah, we can. That's yeah. sick. So that's serotonin and dopamine. That's gangster. Happiness, that's cool. empowerment. Just a reminder that you're sort of in control of those states by doing activities that release serotonin. And again, again, that's going to link in perfectly. Again, it's like <laughs> you know, you never really study well or like trying to learn good like when you're yeah. upset or angry. It's like it doesn't really work. I'm not sure if you caught my, um, my Insta stories the other day about my calendar and how I manage my time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was pretty much you know, 10 stories on productivity. And the one that caught most people's attention is that every day there's a huge block of about 90 to ninety minutes to two hours called SIA, which is serotonin-inducing activity. And people always reach out to me. It's like, how are you at a museum at 2 o'clock on a Thursday? Or how are you, you not have work to do? It's like o'clock <laughs> on a whatever. But I've managed to, to put my schedule together in a way where I do all my productive work in the morning. By 10.30, yeah. I've done all my productive work for the Holy day. Oh, shit. Right? And then I'll have my meetings, you know, talk to people and... And then I, I have to spend two hours a day doing serotonin-inducing activities. And depending on the mood or the weather, that can vary from reading a book and calling a friend to going on a city adventure to I skydived on a Monday. Like, it's just... So, can you just... Um, serotonin mm-hmm. activities. Can mm-hmm. we just touch on that? Like, what, so, what is that to a, to a T? Like, what is it? Is it... Activities just quickly, if you could give a quick oh. explanation <laughs> of what serotonin is, because I feel like yeah, exactly. some, some that's what I'm trying to, yeah, yeah. What yeah. Is, like, serotonin. What is, obviously, we know what serotonin is, in but some the people may not. Most like sort of basic form, because depending on what angle and what industry you're coming at it from, it has slightly different different definitions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, colloquially or casually, it's perceived as sort of happiness yeah. and calmness and and that sort of stuff. But um, a lot of us 
I say us humans are living in a, I guess, stress, adrenaline driven state, yeah. parasympathetic, all of these, I can throw out all these, yeah. you know, sciencey terms, but our body's always quite um, tense and stressed and anxious. Mm-hmm. Serotonin inducing activities are stuff that releases serotonin, a chemical hormone, yep. and it just helps bring down your nervous system to a more relaxed state. Um, it helps with brain clarity. It helps with even skin and basic functions. Is just like having that existing calms your whole body yep. and brings it down to a relaxed state. So serotonin-inducing activities are therefore activities that put you in a calm and relaxed state. Not necessarily relaxed as in like lazy relaxed, but not in a stressed, anxious, um, adrenaline-fueled state. I know, like from speaking from experience, a, a big thing that um, everyone does without realizing that that induces serotonin is like seeing a dog, cuddling a dog, getting some cuddles, licking it. Licking your dog? I don't know what you do with your dogs, mate. Hey, bro, if that makes you happy, (laughs) getting licks and kisses from your dog, like, you know, that sort of stuff. Seeing a dog, like, see a pet. That's a big... Some of the stuff (laughs) on my list is just calling a friend that I haven't spoken to in a while or going for a walk to somewhere where I haven't been in a while. And then some of the more extreme ones are going on a city adventure or or jumping out of a plane. So it is like activities that do make... that do make you happy bring you some kind of bring happiness you some kind and would you happiness. say that sort of links to like reducing brain fog like could you use it in the, like let's say you've had a big day of meetings you've been really productive yeah. whatever and then you're like i need to do more work but my mm-hmm. brain's just not where i need yeah. it to be so that, is that sort of when you try and schedule it in yeah <clears throat> so yes it's typically when my productivity is slumping yep. so you can be really excited and motivated to work but if your brain is foggy it doesn't matter how long you sit there it's not going to work 100%. um and there is a lot of science behind you know our circadian rhythm and how our body works and and sleep and focus and there is a slump in the middle of the day it's one connected with you know food and lunchtime but also just our circadian rhythm where we actually have a moment in the day where we need to rest and that's why you know south americans do their siesta at two or three which is they the whole country just takes for anyone out. that's sort of wondering <laughs> uh very basically circadian rhythm is like your bo- your body clock yeah just for anyone 100%. wondering so your body clock <laughs> thanks sorry let me know when i'll clarify things so <laughs> the, the circ- michael's <laughs> like what the fuck is she saying <laughs> the circadian rhythms oh, is mate. your body's kind of natural way of determining when it should be asleep when it should be awake um now Interestingly enough, everyone's circadian rhythm is a little bit different. There's a book, Why We Sleep, um, which explains that. That was my next question. Yeah. My next question was, okay, you know, the... Oh, let take, her finish talking. No, Ask no, it off. No, no, no. Taking, taking the whole time throughout the day, does that, ta- does that time differ for everybody? Yeah. So is, are people more productive at that two o'clock when you're at the zoo or whatever? Yeah. So there are, there are, there are slight variations in the circadian rhythm. Like typically there is a general scope, which is like this, the, um, the optimum or best time to sleep is, you know, 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. And then roughly somewhere in the afternoon we have this slump. But every human sort of is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and it has everything to do with genetics, you know, environmental factors, et cetera. Um, but there is that time in the afternoon where we slump. Yep. And that's when I would do my serotonin-inducing mm-hmm. activity to kind of get myself out of that slump and come back home for that two to four or, or three to six yep. um, o'clock sort of grind where I'd smash out some more work yeah. before the afternoon. Yeah, it's so funny you bring that up. Even like, yeah, it's like I'll, I'll be able to go to the gym in the morning, come home, cook my meals, whatever it is, and then I just feel bleh. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's seven o'clock, I'm like, cool. Yeah. Like, cool, I can finish off the rest of my to-do list or whatever it is. It's like all of a sudden you just – it's like you get a reboost of energy. And it's like so do you think that that break is, is a big pillar to productivity? 100%. Okay, now my next question is what do you recommend for people who don't have that time in the day 
genuinely like who have got work or other commitments and they can't hit that at that time or when it does peak. Yeah. I don't believe there's any such thing as not having the time, that it's not making the time. I think I think what he means is like and for an example, like let's say you're, you're at work, a nine to five. You work at a nine to five, right? Yeah, let's say you work at a Hopefully, nine to five. Hopefully legally you have a lunch oh, break. Oh, you fucking hope so, so right? hungry. <laughs> you have a lunch break, right? <laughs> now this is a mistake people make. When they want to be more productive, they think they're being the valiant employee <laughs> by working through lunch no. or whatever. First of all, setting healthy boundaries is a whole nother podcast on its own. <laughs> and you need to be Literally. able to say, actually, I'm here for work and whoever asks you whatever they want, this is my lunch break and I need to take that time. Mm. And then it's how you use that lunch break. Serotonin could just simply be, instead of eating lunch at your desk, eat lunch outside. Right? Yeah, it could be trying a different cuisine or even in the morning if you cook a food that you haven't tried before and now at lunch it's some kind of excitement attached to it. Yeah. Um, it could be going for a walk around. While, so there, there is no reason that you can't do it in a full-time job, but it, it will take some training and choices and a lot of people aren't comfortable with it. Yeah. Even the little things, like, I don't know, if I get up, have my coffee in the morning, whatever, sweet. But if I go outside, <laughs> have my coffee in the sun, sort of sit outside mm-hmm. and soak up the sun for 10 minutes, like, it just puts you in such a nice mood, like... So there you go, guys. It's the little things that you do throughout the day, in your lunch break, whatever, yeah. coffee, even what you eat as Keep well. Keep yourself optimistic. And I think that's why a big part of, like, maybe like healthy eating comes into play because that's already one step closer mm-hmm. to, you know, feeling a bit better about what, you, what you're eating and how you feel. all the chains, one big chain, everything's sort of connected. And there's literally science and there's research saying that the gut and the brain are connected. So it's like if your gut's all 100%. cooked and you're not eating the greatest, your brain's going to be foggy and it's just, yeah. Yeah. that's again, that's and the, the whole thing. thing. The other thing as well, like one of the key reasons for that is that your brain has a limited amount of energy and efforts to spend, Right. So if it's spending its time trying to process whatever gross food you've put in your gut, um, your gut has like the highest uh, number of sort of blood vessels and stuff as well. So when there's food in there, all your blood is rushing to your gut trying to figure out this mess that you've put in there or the volume of food. Fasting. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> but <laughs> if, if all the blood's in your gut, there's none left for your brain. Correct. Right? So that's not to say don't eat, but it's like if you're making more conscious decisions about your food, even timing your meals and food around <laughs> when you have to do productive work, yep. there's a lot of benefits to that. Yeah. We had um, we had a guest on last week, Montana, Montana Wild, and she touched on the fact that the brain can only – do you remember how much it was? 126 or 129? She said 126 bits of information – Throughout the day, at one, at like throughout one day, like that's all you can. Oh no, so no, no, at one in, time, at, in total, in at to- any point in time, yeah, at any point total. in time. I think she mentioned something. We might have got this wrong in the last episode. We might have got this wrong. But like 126 bits of information, like like running through your brain. Yeah, it's interesting because bits of information is super vague because yeah. at any moment in time there are thousands upon thousands of neurons firing. Like right now, I think she I'm meant looking at proper, you, right? like things that you can actually recall. So you're talking about consciously conscious, conscious thinking things. and I don't processing. Know, I, don't I don't want to, yeah, I'm pretty sure she <laughs> meant yeah. conscious. I, I don't know the exact conscious. numbers. I don't know yeah, what she's yeah. exactly referring Montana, to. Montana, I'm so sorry. But um, yeah, there'd be your conscious thoughts and ideas and then there's yeah. 126. I mean, that seems pretty arbitrary. I don't know where they where they got that from. Is I've it no idea. information <laughs> like remembering names of people and events that's happened or is it information as in actively learning or retaining something for short to long to medium term? Like... I can't speak to it because it's a little Yeah, vague. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an interesting concept. There is There are limitations to the brain, but I don't think many day-to-day humans are anywhere near their limitations. I think it's more that they haven't optimised it. 100%. So one thing I want to ask in, 
in relation to productivity is because obviously you're a coach on it. What is your ideal, like what is, what is productivity ideally, what does it look like to you? <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? So there's probably four pillars for me for productivity. There's sensory and physiological environment. So to break that down, it's if you're a student, um, your most productive state should be the state that you need to perform under. So that's a clear desk, exam conditions, no noise, etc. If you're in the gym, your most productive state might be whatever state you need to perform in there. Yeah, yeah. If you're at work, if you're typically a presenter and a speaker, then your sensory environment needs to be cued to that. So part of productivity is not just preparing your mind for the information it needs to learn, but for the conditions okay. that you need to know it under. Yeah, That's a huge part of it. Um, the second part is information processing. So how are you physically absorbing, retaining and remembering that is information? That for an example, like on an exam reading questions really slowly, picking out like cue words. And is that yeah, sort of what it's, it is? Um, it's like, so let's say I've learned 10 facts, just an arbitrary number. I've learned 10 yep. facts. Typically most students in class, they'll write those 10 facts on a page in dot points and then either reread them or put them on cue cards yep. or rewrite them. Um, so what they're doing there is trying to put the information into their brain, which is memory. But one of the biggest mistakes students make is when they're studying is that they're focusing on putting the information in. But understanding it? Yeah, the understanding is like a separate part. There's so many facets to learning. Right? I used to use aftershave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I used different to smells of yeah, aftershave yeah, so with no. the information. What? No, all right. So if I was in <laughs> this guy, no, <laughs> listen, hear me out. I wear perfume. <laughs> this guy's just no, like bro. I wear perfume. seriously. If I used to, if I was studying in thing and I had a something I had to remember, I would wear aftershave while studying and then wear, wear it same in the same aftershave. So that's the sensory thing. stuff that I was talking same about at the on. start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it helps. But back to probably the biggest flaw that students have. You've killed Corko. He's dead. He's, dead. <laughs> He's got fuck. Um, right. one, probably one of the biggest issues is that students are so focused on putting that information in, rereading, rewriting mm. and all that. On test day, are you being tested on your ability to put information in your brain? No. Yep. You're being tested on ability to recall or yeah. pull that information out. How many students are practicing recalling like that information? Covering it and then trying to like remember what it yeah, said. That's like, that's like a really minor version, right? Because recalling essentially is pulling information out of your brain without having seen it recently um, in response to sort of a cue or a question. Yep. So what I do with the students is look, assessing their current study techniques. It's usually, okay, I find out I have a test, so I will get all my notes together, I'll rewrite them all and then I'll cover them, then I'll put them on cue cards and I'll test and flip and all of these things. But at all of those times, the information is in front of them in some format. It's on the cue cards, it's just on the piece of paper. Mm -hmm. They've looked at it recently in the last 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So then what I'll do is I'll go, okay, let me challenge you one morning or one afternoon without having looked at any of the information. Put a blank piece of paper in front of you and try to write everything that you can recall. Because that moment is the purest assessment of what information you can kind actually remember because you're not relying on your short-term or working memory. You're actually relying on pulling the information out of your brain. Is that similar to like trigger words, for an example? Let's just say, let's use the poster behind. Let's say Arnold, like let's say it's a blank piece of paper and somebody wrote like Arnold Schwarzenegger and then you got to go like, oh, bodybuilder won this competition. Is Correct. that sort of the similar 100%. thing? 100%. Okay. So <clears throat> each each day, and this can be in such small doses. So people think learning is typically the cramming or the three hours a night or four hours a night or spending a week studying for a test. But you guys would you would know in the fitness space as well, it's like it's the actual constant one percent as effort. 
that work. So yeah. even when I'm working with a, you know, a year 12 student at final year of high school, instead of telling them you need to study three or four hours a night to get the best results, I say you need to fi- spend five minutes doing active recall per subject per day. Right? So that's 25 minutes of time. Doesn't seem significant. But if you are recalling the same information about a topic every single day, five days in a row, and following that up with gap analysis. So this is what I recalled, but this is what I was missing. Mm. And then you're repeating that process five times. By the time you get to the test, it's going to be your 25th or 30th time recalling that information. How much easier is it at that point compared to what usually happens is you learn it on day one or week one, and then you don't look at it again until week four, the day before the test. So your brain has never actually practiced recalling it in any but way. My ATO would have been like nine and nine if I knew this <laughs> 2017. But this, just no, on a serious note, it's like, I'm sure you can relate. I'm sure you guys can both relate. It's like, yeah, we didn't know much this back when we were sort of in school. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many times you do a sack and then walk out and like you can't remember a I, single I get it, thing but that you learned let me take, about the sack? Let me take a second and I don't know you if you want to answer my question. But no, okay. I don't know if you want to agree or disagree to this. But I want to absolutely abuse the, the school system right oh, now. We mm-hmm. hate that. We've had this conversation. And, and it's very bad. Dis- you can disagree or agree, but you, j- you said before that you need to be studying and in an environment and how you absorb information and all of that. But at what, at what point in a student's career will they sit down for one day and smack out four exams, four subjects, mm-hmm. right? And not only that, each subject having their own dense information, mm-hmm. like that just that's that is so stupid to me. Hundred percent. Let me agree and disagree with you at the same time. Okay. Hey VC AA. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I agree that the school system is flawed, but I disagree that there's nothing to learn and the skills that we do in school aren't relevant in work. Let me explain all Everything of that. I agree with that now, though. The problem is my mission is not to change the school system, which I thought it was at some point. It's to try to coach students to use school as a way to create and promote better skills. So like I said, I'm moving students away Mm. from studying hours a night Mm. because 100% you should never be doing that. Instead, I'm telling them, here's your goal. How do we reverse engineer that into daily tasks? What do we have to do every day as adults if we want to be successful? That exact process, right? So there are skills that they can learn. Now, with the schooling system, it was established industrial revolution times to smash out worker bees, smash out people who can do what they're told, can remember large facts so they can fix a machine. I mean, it hasn't changed And just since. a conveyor belt, right? It hasn't changed. In today's age, memorising large amounts of information is the least valuable skill. Correct. Information is readily available everywhere. Correct. What is valuable is knowing how and where to find that the right information and critically analyse if it's right or where it's coming from. It's being able to recall it when it's necessary, right? Because, yes, we can have it all and we can have it on Google or whatever, but real intelligence is intuitively being able to go, I'm in this situation and I recall that this is a solution that I need to solve it. As, and as well as being able, <laughs> being able to respond to triggers and questions. So answering questions in school is in the format of sitting down, writing it down. Correct. But in real life... Think about every situation you're faced with is a test question, right? Now, let's talk about the skills because I agree the way that students are currently operating and the skills that school is teaching you by when you enter VCE, they tell you you need to study three or four hours a night and you're going to have all of these exams. Fucking stupid. But I would argue condition-wise because I actually did a podcast episode on this as well. Preparing for a test, while it doesn't apply to every job, 
Think about people who do sales pitches or presentations for work. Yeah. Think about that presentation or that sales pitch as test day. Yeah. Right? That's when they need to step up and perform. We know that the people who get the best results are those that practice presenting that sales pitch or yeah. that presentation in the condition or in the in the space that they have to that they have to present it. They're the ones that practice it in those same sensory environments, right? They're the ones that practice recalling the information without looking at their cue cards. The best TED Talks and, and, and speakers are people who do that active recall every day without yeah. looking at their notes. So I agree. System is extremely flawed and the habits that people naturally pick up from the system are not good. But I think it's our responsibility and more specifically my responsibility in that industry is to help students learn how to use school or leverage the system to so build their you're, skills. So you're helping them identify the key points that the school school system is providing mm-hmm. and use that? Yeah. And then with the stuff they're stuck on, you're helping them with that? 100%. Yeah. Because, look, school and work are the same thing. We're entrepreneurs in this room, right? We're people that go and own our own businesses. So, yes, there's a slight difference in yeah. saying that my productivity skills and calendar and to-do list and how I manage my time is exactly what I give my students. So, I don't yeah. have a difference there. But 80 to 90% of the population is going to end up working for someone and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Teachers become managers. Projects, uh, uh, assignments and tests become projects. You know, classmates become people in your colleagues colleagues, colleagues, so my aim is instead of focusing on science math english while we do like i have a team that helps students with those stuff my aim is to go how can we refine your skills on how you ask for help and feedback from your teacher yeah how can we refine your skills on how you self-review your own skills and strategies how can we refine your skills and you want to get a 98 huh just thinking about getting a 98 all the time is not relevant. What does that mean each month, each week, each day? Yeah. What is a student who's achieving 90? What are they doing? What's their mindset and what does it look like? Mm. And then we introduce these daily, weekly and monthly tasks. So I'm not teaching them school. Yeah. I'm not teaching them study skills. I'm teaching them motivation versus discipline. Yeah. Right? Because we all know in this room that motivation yeah. doesn't mean anything yeah. if you're not disciplined. Very short term. I'm teaching them goal setting. I'm teaching them um, how to review their performance and how to actually stay on track so while i'm using school as the vehicle the listen the lessons that they're learning are not school lessons Mm. and i think that's really really valuable because everything you said as we go we've spoken i do the same thing for like Mm -hmm. clients and that's the same thing with like business your your fitness journey it's like what's a long-term goal break that down into smaller goals and then break that down into cool what has to happen monthly so okay let's say for an example you want to lose Let's say 10 kilos. Cool. How many, how many kilos is that over X months? Okay. How much weight do I have to lose per week? How much exercise do I have to do? How much do I have to eat? It's like exactly what you said. Break it down step by step. So that way it's getting some more, almost like a, just a to-do list each day yeah. that you work up. Because you think about that really big term, long-term goal, you go, oh, like, fuck, that's daunting. It's the same thing with like, you have, oh, I have an essay due tomorrow. You think about, oh my God, I have to write this whole essay, 1,000 words, 2,000 words. Because you go, cool, if I write the introduction today, you know, another paragraph tomorrow, Correct. over four or five days, you've written 2,000 words relatively easily. Focusing on the process, not the outcome. Yep. So just Trust like the process. <laughs> just like you said, losing X amount, you might need to lose X amount 
500 grams per week to hit your goal or whatever. Yeah. But just thinking about losing 500 grams every day isn't going to do anything. It's what are the daily actions that are going to get you to that outcome. 100%. And what? as students, be honest. How many times did you sit down <laughs> and go, these are the five things that I need need to do today to make sure that I'm on track for my studies. <laughs> yeah. We're not even going to answer oh, that. So we're going to uh, end the episode there, guys. <laughs> oh like you got, they've got exams at the end of the year in 10 months, right? Think about it. That could be a big presentation you're preparing for or a business you're launching, right? It yep. doesn't have to be about school. Just think about yeah. the, the sheer numbers behind it. You've got a test in 10 months. You learn something in week one, <coughs> term one. You're not going to look at that information again until September holidays if you're on top of it, but most likely two weeks before the exam, that right? Was, that was me. Yep. Right. Very My bad. students are actively recalling that information every eight to ten days only using five to ten minutes a day. So it's not like my, my students study less That's than other students, but they technique. study more actively. Yeah, yeah, it's just like I said, it's literally more effective. Yeah. So by the time they get to December and they go, cool, they can go in there, eyes closed. Like, they do so one exam question. You know the, the hefty kind of five to ten mark questions, the yeah, one that the takes some ones. effort. One exam question per subject per day from week one, day one. So on its own, a five to seven minute task. So... Right? So at most, you're probably spending, if you fluff around, you're adding some extra stuff, they're probably doing an hour a day. Correct. An hour and a half a day max in year 12. Compared to the four hours you're expected. They recommend. Compared to the 40 hours you're expected to do at university. Yeah. 100%. Because if you're doing four subjects, they want you to study five hours a day. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Oh, don't worry about having a job and just having a life. Don't worry about it. During my master's, I was working full-time, running my business and doing my master's full-time, right? And the... Students that I was <laughs> around and, and in my last year of, of my undergraduate degree as well, they always used to get shocked that I wouldn't stay back at university and do five hours study. First of all, I had a job to get to. But second of all, I'd show up on exam day, cool, calm, collected and, and ready to go. And they would always just be so thoroughly confused. Yep. They're like, I've written out and I've drawn this mind map a thousand times and I've done this. I'm like, all I did was the last four years of exam questions spread out over the last six weeks i identified my areas of issues i recalled those issues every day for about 10 minutes and now i'm walking into the exam so it's not about i'm literally so upset <laughs> i didn't know this like i remember oh, going yeah. into exam days like at uni like i'm fucked <laughs> i'm just like what do yeah. i do look there is a there is a drawback <clears throat> right so this approach won't yield a hundred percent consistently right but i would prefer to be refining my skills, have work-life balance, be confident that I know and understand that information and be hitting you know, 85 to 95 consistently. going to win. Then killing myself every oh, exam for a hit and miss because I haven't prepared for the condition so I might get in and start freaking out. I haven't prepared for anything else. So one practice question a day for every day, every day of the year. It's about balance. The first time you do something, it's hard, right? Mm. The second di- time you do something... A little bit easier. Third time, a little bit easier again. The saying goes that the task doesn't get easier, but your knowledge and power gets better, right? But if I'm doing a practice exam question every day, all year, one practice exam, five minutes. By the time I get to the end of the year, I've done two to 300 practice um, questions per subject. How do you think a practice question goes the 210th time you do it? Yeah, you get me. You'd, you'd hope pretty easily. You'd hope, a little bit easier, you'd hope right? so. You'd hope so. You'd Maybe. <laughs> so by shifting their their whole approach to mass efforts to you know incremental daily tasks, mm. that's how we're leveraging school to show them valuable skills. Because I'm gonna real <laughs> really throw myself under the bus here. Let me tell you all a little, little bit of it. a secret. 
I coach students, so high school, um, university, mature age students. I also coach young entrepreneurs in building their business around the productivity <coughs> side. So not the business building side, but you've got a goal. How are you going to achieve that per day? Whether yeah. that's setting little milestones or whatever. And then I coach um, within organisations on streamlining processes and making things more productive. All three of those slide packs look exactly the same. Mm. I've literally, like I said, replaced the word <laughs> manager with teacher, project with assignment, test with this, outcome with that. The skills that I'm teaching, you know, 40-somethings in the workplace, 20-somethings in their business and 15 to 17-year-olds in school are identical. Mm. Reverse engineering, consistency, consistency, measuring your results and mindset and accountability. And that's mm. ultimately what I'm there for. It, it's so, like, again, I've said this so many times. Everything Diana just said, that last, that, literally that last sort of paragraph she just said is the exact same for any fitness journey. Find the outcome you want, reverse engineer it into very small steps and repeat it until you get there. It's that simple. So I think a lot of our audience at the moment are people who are either on their way, so they're already on, on the journey of They've starting started a business, business or whatever, to, yeah. or they're, in yes. the in the nine to five job or working currently or studying and trying to figure out how they can achieve their goals, right? Which I'm assuming for most of our audience would be either financial or even mental or whatever it is. But let's use the situation of someone who is working and let's say, for example, they want to understand um, a little bit more information on, let's talk about crypto, right? So they can invest money and achieve their goals financially. So if I'm someone who's working a nine to five job Monday to Friday, how would you recommend that I go about researching a whole industry and being productive about it? Yeah. I'm going to go backwards to go forwards. Correct. Yep. So whenever you're distributing your time, wealth, attention – um, I actually heard this, I don't remember his name and I'm, I'm a little bit upset at myself, operations manager of car sales. We were sitting, I was watching him talk and he said something about the outcomes they wanted to achieve were distributing the income from different facets, so used cars, new cars, etc. And they had a visualisation of the pie chart of how much income they wanted coming from each of those sectors. Then they did a pie chart of their current distribution of time and efforts and it completely mismatched the outcomes that they wanted. They yeah. were spending 80% of their time in surprise, surprise, the factor that was bringing 80% of their revenue. Yeah. So his plan was to evenly distributed the, distribute the resources, time and energy across those so that we could start getting some more equal outcomes. So let's fast forward to working and wanting to learn about cryptos. And like, it's not like it's just work and cryptos and balancing your social life. Yeah, and, correct. And that's, 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 I forgot to add that in as well, but else, we're assuming right? it that that's in there. No, not many people have actually done a time analysis. And this is one of the first things I do with my clients is map out what your week actually looks like. Not what you want it to look like. What it yeah. actually looks like. Like a productivity like. Tra tracker, yeah. I've got one. It's but is that everything? That's coffees with friends, everything. 100%. Like so I want to get up in the morning and I know, and what I tell people is I get up in the morning and I go to the gym and then I have my coffee and I make my way to work. Sounds fantastic and you probably do that. But. <laughs> Karim half an hour at all. <laughs> correct. Does it take you, does it take you, 
half an hour longer than it should or are you spending are you at the gym but spending 30 minutes of that time on Instagram mm. or do you come home after that and spend 45 minutes on socials before you go to work or and it's not like we want to I love social media and it's not like we want to micromanage it to that degree but basically do a time analysis of their day actually block it out physically we do it in color coding and all of that Mm -hmm. and go where is my time and energy distributed okay let's compare that to the goals and outcomes i want to achieve in my life so one of my goals is to learn about crypto and eventually make it a key part of my revenue let's give it a random number of 20 percent of my revenue i want to come from you know cryptocurrencies and investments i don't know enough about it to go into detail but that's that's fair that's fair enough they've mapped it out and they've done that and then i also want to make sure that i'm investing sufficient time into my partner friends family going out social life that's important very important x amount into my fitness and then i know at work i've got that time that i need to be there also setting boundaries, not doing work before hours or after hours, coming and going when you need to go, all really important. Let's put those together and compare. Where, how much time are you spending on social media or on the toilet or whatever it is you're doing and how does that compare to how much time you want to, you know, how much you want to get out of learning and, and you know, assessing cryptocurrencies? I doubt people that want to make it a large stream of their income, let's say 20%, are spending 20% of their free time learning it and assessing it. So first of all, do a time analysis. But then blindly going in and just watching videos and learning it is not helpful yeah, that's either. Another when you're learning anything, the most basic thing we can go back to is who, what, when, where, why, how. Right? And that's important because to learn something and for your brain to retain it, it needs to have a purpose in your mind. We are thrown more information in one day than we used to be exposed to in a year, you know, in the 18th century. We get so much information. The only way that your brain can know it's important is if it's answering a question or a need. So you need to decide what are the questions or what is the need for this information. You can go at that from two ways. One of them is from a personal perspective. I need this for financial freedom. This will help me achieve X, Y, Z. But then you can go at it from a more logical study version. <laughs> who and what is, who is crypto means, you know, who is it relevant to? Where did it come from? Who controls it? What is it? What is it physically? What does it mean? Um, you know, why does it exist? Why, can, why is it so popular? And how is the most important thing. How can it help me leverage my existing funds? How can it help me um, you know, achieve financial freedom? And if you physically write these questions down... Yeah, so that's another thing. Now you've got a purpose. You've written the outcome you want to achieve. Yeah. You potentially even... The who might be people that you know that know about it that you want to learn more about. The who, what, when, where, why, how is to trigger different types of questions for you to ask. Now we go back to the time management and we put 20% of our free time, if that's what you want it to be, away. For some people, it's probably going to be more realistic, 3 to 5%, because yeah. right? they don't want to quit their job and do crypto, but they yeah. want to learn about they it. They want to learn about it. But let's say in the most extreme setting, 20%. 20% of your free time that is not eating, sleeping and Pooping. working, right? 20% of that time should be spent researching the answers to those questions, not just blindly researching it. And those questions will lead to more questions. Write those questions down. Those will lead to more. So now what you're actually building is a knowledge base based on a framework which has a purpose in your mind because it's got these questions. Mm. 
Does that make sense? Complete my brain sense. just exploded. That was, that <laughs> was, that was really <laughs> good. That valuable. could be 10 or 15 minutes a day. And that can also be applied to other topics, yeah. whether it's crypto, 100%. whether it's NFTs, whether it's... Could be business, could business, be anything like Let's that. compare two different situations. You come home every night and you're watching two hours of videos on cryptos with no idea of what you want to get out of it yeah. <laughs> and no clear purpose and no clear outcome. Or you spend 15 to 20 minutes finding the answer to, to two those. or three questions on your list. Yep. Half... Less than half the time, more value because that's what we were talking about before. It's active productivity as opposed to passive. Just like uh, just random information. Yeah. So my question, my question, sort of based on that, is with, along with the whole like who, what, when, where, why. Could it be like a, a very like specific question? For an example, like why is Bitcoin so much more popular than like Ethereum? Let's just say 100%. whatever. What did that question start with? Why. Why? Every question, you're ever go- every question you're ever going to have is going to have who, what, when, where, why, how. Yeah. This is what I do with students, right? Who cares what the molecular formula for this chemical is? Who cares you know, what happened in a historical event? What you need to do, do is when they ask you why, you need to know what to give them back, right? When they ask you how, you need to know what to give them back. Describe why, explain why, elaborate why, all the same thing. So you become predictive. All these exam in your questions learning. are making so much more sense in my head <laughs> yeah. right now. You, beca- you become discuss predictive. the following. Yeah. What? <laughs> discuss discuss what? Discuss how? Discuss why? Right. Everything's going to lead back to that. So if you sit down and I literally have a table when I'm learning about something new. Currently developing an app. Right. I'm developing an app that has course and uh, course element, productivity tracker, etc. So is mind map your sort of your thoughts? Uh, yeah, mind mapping is good. I'm not a creative person. I'm much more of a kind of logical, logical yes. person. So I've got Thank a table you. mapped creative. out <laughs> oh, <God>. with <laughs> who, what, when, where, why, how, who. Everything from who's going to use it to who can help me build it, who has built one before, who do I know that that you know could potentially help me on this journey, what, what do I want to achieve, what do I want it to look like, what do I want the outcomes to be for me, what do I want the outcomes to be for my um, students, when. When do I want to finish phase one? When do I want to release it? By planning... How do I make le- it? How do yeah. I make it? Why is this important to me? How do people use it? Correct. Yeah. So if you can break everything down that you ever do to the who, what, when, <laughs> where, why, how, now you've given all of that information a purpose in your brain because you've created a framework for it to stick to. Yeah. The easiest things to learn are things that relate to something you already know it becomes like it continuing to add something to an existing framework. Whereas if you're trying to learn something new with no anchor or context, <laughs> yeah. it becomes irrelevant to the brain. I just so. really wanted to like let everyone know that's <laughs> listening. Like everything she said, just any aspect of your life. Like Use I've it. just like so many thoughts have just gone through my brain. I was like anything I could do, fitness, business, family, friendship, like everything Diana says that that framework is going to work for every aspect of your life. 100%. Yeah. So, like, take it and, like, run with it. <laughs> Use it. Use See? the value that yeah. she's provided today, guys. <laughs> this is also explains why you were yeah. MBN, M- MBN Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Thank Congratulations. You that, that was, that was huge. 2020. Last year, 21. 21, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So, there's, um, yeah, there's probably the first thing I do with my client is that and one other thing, which is what I was talking about before <clears throat> a little bit. And it's like, what are your goals? And then what are your actions saying about your goals? Because everyone wants to be this and achieve that. But then when you write, I do it in two parts. And this could work for you in your space as well yep. and anyone in any space. What are the goals that you would like to achieve? And what are your values? You do that in one session and don't connect it to anything else. I want to, and you need to do it as not 
rather than outcomes, more about goals around the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. I want to be fit and healthy. I want to be X amount of kilos. I want to be working out this Fucking many shredded, times a week. Bro. Whatever. <laughs> I want to be shredded. I want to be thin. I want to be lean. Then your values, which most people never actually look at, right? So, so, so I got five values. So important. <laughs> kindness. Yeah. Kindness, high performance, continuous um, improvement, learning and development, and family. Right? Every goal I ever have falls into those five. Right? Having a goal outside of that will mean nothing to me. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Right? So first of all, the goals and their values. Then I let them sit with that. Right? Then I come back the next week and I say, what do you think someone who's living by these goals and values does every day and what does their day look like? And they're going to tell me they wake up at 6am and go to the gym and then they do this and then they measure their macros and then they, you know, journal, whatever. And then I say, okay, cool, that was a good activity. Then I come, then the third session comes along. And you give them that exact What does your day currently look like? (laughs) Right? Because you're saying you've been working at this for ages and you're not getting results. You've been doing this for so long and you're not getting, you're not achieving what you want. You are a person that's driven and high performance. But then when you get them to objectively say, what should it look like compared to what am I doing? Just put up the mics a bit because the rain's coming <laughs> up. <laughs> that's all right. Just put those, no, yeah, those, three, yeah, put those yeah. up just so that they'll pick up more and that shouldn't be as loud. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. When, you objectively, um, when you objectively get them to compare what they do with what they have said someone who is achieving the goals they want should be doing, yeah. that is true coaching because you're not telling them what to do. Pardon the pun. Pardon the pun. <laughs> um, you're not telling them what to do. You're actually showing them the way themselves and any revelation they make on their own is going to be a thousand percent more valuable than something you tell them. It's, almost, that's that's, yeah, it's, crazy. Yeah, it's funny that you said that because you do that with your business and like you and I have never sp- oh shut up right <laughs> you and I have never spoken about this and I do I have a resource developed for all of my clients where it's, it's literally the same thing it's cool what are your top five values and I give them a huge list with definitions and so cool you're fit and then give me five goals uh, sorry 12 goals in total so nine so three six and 12 months mm-hmm. and they all have to fit into a category and then it's cool what daily tasks are going to get you to this goal by this date Mm-hmm. It, it, it's Take ex- it one step further and say, what are you currently doing? Right? Call them out. Call yeah. them out on their shit. My coaching style is very... Um, tough love Calling type. them out. Tough love. Yeah. Because no one can want it more than they want it for themselves. 100%. <clears throat> I can want it for them. I want every one of my clients to succeed. But for it to work, they have to want it more. Right? So... I tell them to write the daily actions. And then obviously I give them some tips and stuff. Have you considered this? Have you thought about this? Until they're going, that looks like someone who's achieving my goals. Mm. Then you go, okay, let's side by side put what your day looks like. If you say they're waking up every day at 6am going to the gym, don't lie to me. Realistically, how many days a week are you waking up at that time? And how many days a week are you going to the gym? Now you've established a deficit. Now they have something to chase because they're only going twice a week when they've said someone who's achieving their goal is going five. Yeah. You know, they're only, they're not reading anything at all when you've said they're, everyone who's achieving their goal is reading 10 pages a week, uh, 10 pages a day. Yeah. So by them making that realisation that they're in the deficit, aside from you telling them that we know, as coaches, we know what they need to do to be successful. Yeah. Right? The real power comes from when they realise what they need to do from themselves and then the empowerment Action. comes. Just before we wrap up, I want to ask you a question. And is Does diet and the food you consume affect how you think? Yes. 
Yep. So first of all, there was like the physiological. She's not a nutritionist, yeah. basically. No, I understand not a that, but like, because you can but like people who eat fast food all the time and who have bad diets. Yeah. That can affect how you study and how your brain Absolutely. is operating. Can brain fog. Talked about physiologically. Yeah. There was what we discussed before, which is a, yeah. foods that are more processed, foods that are less nutritious. Actually, actually take your body more time. To, to process and you get nothing out of it, that's right? That's what I tell you. <laughs> You're making it sound like I'm eating KFC every day, bro. I'm telling you, even Cocoa Pops are processed. Yeah, when was the last time I had Cocoa Pops? It takes more Yesterday. time. That's a lot. I literally just had oats. I had oats and protein. So it takes more time for your body to process, which oh, means more, touch me. more of your resources are doing that and yeah. less are in your brain. And then you've got, not from a nutritionist perspective, but there are foods that can elevate your brain function i try to avoid talking about this too much because people think they're magic pills but they're not like food one percent is one percent it's one percent so jim quick talks a lot about this so jim quick is like the learning guru of the adult world right and he talks a lot about brain foods being things like your salmon your almonds turmeric turmeric anything that um one makes the flow of blood and oxygen to your brain easier two makes it cleaner for you to think Mm. um, better and three helps the neural firing of the pathways and stuff but you can eat all the salmon blueberries and (laughs) almonds that you want every day if you're not doing all the other things yeah correct um so yes there are foods that eating healthier and cleaner makes your body's processing easier giving more space and time to your brain but it also can help actually processing information, but it's a one percenter in the big scheme of things. Yeah, it's not like fitness where it's eighty percent nutrition and twenty percent work. It's like five to ten percent nutrition. If you haven't already, and for our audience too, I read a book a while back which is called The Brain Fog Fix. Mm-hmm. Have you read that? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I yeah. took some of what he said on, and I felt a difference. I did honestly. Yeah. You know, it was really good. So if anyone hasn't read that yet and listening. Give it a go. It's definitely worth reading and definitely worth listening to if you're on Audible. But um, yeah, so I just want to touch that, touch on that with mm-hmm. you before we wrap things. Pretty up. much the last thing I wanted to ask, and then it's going to be probably hard for you. But if you have to give like a few tips for, let, let's go with the let's go with studying slash productivity as a whole for students, business owners trying to let's say learn something or just do something with their time. What would be your tips? Is it like is it no, do it in like a 20-minute block. Would you mm-hmm. say like, what, what are going to be your, your take-home tips? Yeah. <coughs> so I'll focus more on that daily repetitive active tasks, which will combine a few tips. One, if you haven't already, look up the Pomodoro um, technique. Essentially, it's splitting your time into 25-minute blocks of hard Raining work. Brick, yeah. <laughs> you hear that rain pretty hard. So the Pomodoro Techniques talks about splitting work into 25-minute blocks and determining one <laughs> task that you want to do in that time. This is like the most important part of the podcast. So tip one, look up the Pomodoro Technique. Um, it's about working in 25-minute bursts. Um, that's about how long your brain can actually stay actively focused on a task and also determine <laughs> one task you want to get done in that time yep. to eliminate multitasking but that's all good and fun but unless those tasks and this is the biggest takeaway unless those tasks are actually connected to the end goal useless okay yeah. so let's talk about for students the end goal is being able to recall that information under test conditions so um 
memorizing it and looking at cue cards and rewriting definitions is, oh. is not, I was trying to ignore it. <laughs> it's literally so memorizing things, rewriting facts and figures, all of that is not relevant to exam day, which is the yep. most important thing, right? Yep. So the skill you need there is recall, therefore daily recall. <laughs> For work, when you're building a business, sales is the blood life of a business, right? Yep. This is probably the one, the most important thing for for people building businesses. Mm-hmm. We've there is a balance between making sales and working on processes and systems and actually building the business. Yeah. But people tend to go one way or the other. They tend to either be chasing clients. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> sorry. They tend to either be chasing. They tend to either be chasing the clients a hundred percent of their time without actually building on how they're nurturing, marketing, their structures, their their functions are on the business. I'm guilty of that. I, I yeah. can definitely agree with that. Or they tend to spend so much time overthinking their resources, their website, what it looks like, and not actually making sales, which is what's important. Yeah. So if your two goals are business and sales, what does that look like per day, per week, per month? In my business, I have the five, ten, fifteen approach for mm-hmm. sales and, and growth. 15 cold reach outs every single day. So reaching out to someone on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Yep, that's what that we need to start I, doing. I do, I know, I, right? I do that, that personally. That's a very yeah. good that point. I know fits my character. 15 yeah, a day. Niche. Not a lot. It could just be a start like a hey, like your stuff. It, any contact point yeah. at all. But 15 a day and mm. I work, you know, seven days a week adds up very yep. quickly. Yep. Okay, that's the whole part of the reverse yep. engineering thing because I do the same thing. Yep. Like I, mine just like, for example, like seven or five. It's yep. like, cool. Hey, Thanks for liking my post or thanks for commenting. Yeah. I appreciate your support, whatever yeah. it is. Um, so once I've done my 15 cold reach outs, then I do 10 which are warmer. So leads that have come to me or people that I know or people in my pipeline, I reach out to them. Non-negotiable 10. Could be a personalized email, could be a message, could be a voice message. And that's this is daily, yeah? Every, Every single day. day. Yeah. Even yeah. if I'm repeating, even if I'm going back over, like it's that's how I get my sales. <clears throat> and then five are referrals or reactivations. Past clients that I want to bring back or people that are asking for referrals from existing clients, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that all takes me, I've, I've automated it to the point where that whole 5, 10, 15 process takes me maybe 45 minutes to an hour. A day. Max. Yeah, a day. Like- if you think of the ROI, like yeah. long-term, long-term yeah. return. Correct. Yeah. Takes me 45 minutes to an hour a day. But the way I got to those numbers is that I know I need to, because I'm quite a high ticket service. It's not like every day I need a transaction. Yeah. I know I need to close two or three sales a, a week, week a oh, yeah. to maintain um, growth. Your goals. Growth goals, yeah. yeah great, yep. To maintain the business, correct. To maintain the business, I could make one or two sales a month and be fine, yeah. and I could be fine. But my goals are growth. Yeah, for so sure. So I know I need to make X amount of sales a year, X amount of sales a month. So yeah. that gets down to two or three a week. I need to close two or three a week, which means I I need to have you know um, ten appointments booked based on conversion rates, which means I need to contact fifty people to book ten appointments, which needs yeah. so uh, which means I need to reach out to a hundred people. One hundred percent. And people aren't reverse engineering that. So my biggest, biggest tip is figure out what your goals are, reverse Reverse engineer it to daily tasks, and then the ultimate cherry on top, actually block out a time in your calendar to do it. Just like you wouldn't miss a meeting if it's in your calendar, put sales process in your calendar. That comes back to discipline. Discipline (coughs) and scheduling and make it a non-negotiable because your calendar is either going to rule your life or you're going to rule your calendar. And most people are Just to add to that one last thing, to make that super, super simple, because I, I do the whole cold out, mm-hmm. uh, outreach thing as well. 
literally get up in the morning, whether it be you're on the toilet, or you have you make having your morning coffee, you're on your morning walk. It's like that time is almost dead time. Like that's mm-hmm. the first half an hour of your day, you're sort of just chilling by yourself yeah. on your phone. Yeah. Just use it. Yeah. And you're technically still on social media or like messaging someone on Facebook. So it's like mm-hmm. you're still on social media sort of relaxing and it's not hard to just outreach. So Yeah, 100%. for sure. Definitely a good technique. But yeah, that wraps up episode nine. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Diana, for Thank so, you much so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, students, entrepreneurs, business owners, any sort of aspect of your life, family, relations, whatever it be, everything Diana said is very transferable. Uh, again, if you're not already following her and True Coaching on Instagram, please do. And on Spotify, Beating the Bell Curve. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank for, you. thanks guys. Bye.